Fresh Art International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. I'm Kathy Bird, Fresh Art producer, and today I'm in Berlin with Agnes Meyer Brandis. She's a German artist who explores the intersection of science and creativity in a way that fuses fantasy and technology. Agnes conducts research and presents her projects in cities and remote sites across the U.S., Europe, South America, and Russia. I met Agnes last week when I visited her installation in the control tower at Tempelhof, an abandoned airport at the edge of the city. Tell me about your Institute for Art and Subjective Science and Research. Uh, in earlier days, I, I founded this uh, institute, Research Raft, to explore and confirm subterranean phenomena mainly. But since uh, five, six years, I'm also investigating into the opposite direction. For example, the subterranean icebergs below ice skating rings. But in 2007, I realized an artistic experiment on board uh, research flight with the German Aerospace Agency and I was working in weightlessness and to invest cloud cores, for example, aerosols. So actually, um, I'm, or, or we are exploring realities very deep down, but also very high up. Also, we are comparing between, yeah, we are studying the parallels between inside Earth, outside Earth, they are very interesting parallels. For example, if you look into an Antarctic ice borehole in 1,200 meters of depth, and there you can see like these ice horizons. First of all, when I saw it for the first time, first I thought, or I, I always associated ice with white color, of course, but of course, subterranean ice, it's dark, <laughs> you see nothing, and you see only the small area when you lower down a probe, you see only a small, small area of the spot uh, at the probe, which is enlightened, and around it's uh, black. And then you see, when, when you pull up the probe a little bit, then you see uh, these ice horizons passing by, and some are very transparent, some are more uh, milky, or some have uh, frozen debris inside. and Actually, it looks like in space, because you have these clear ice horizons passing by with frozen debris inside, which could be like asteroids or whatever, mm -hmm. and it really looks like traveling into space. So that was my first space travel, actually, when I went, <laughs> when <you laughs> very went down. Deep down. <laughs> yes. But now I drifted away from the research raft. Uh, the research draft is this uh, small institute focusing on these uh, hidden worlds inside Earth, outside Earth, and in between. And uh, depending on research focus and uh, and the project, uh, we work together in teams. Uh, people with uh, different backgrounds work together, so we uh, can develop. Uh, tools to search which are really functioning also. So our teams uh, consist, for example, uh, from experimental computer scientists, uh, 
here geophysicians, biologists, artists, and it's really a very um, mixed and it depends on the project. And yes, one project team even included geese breeders. You've presented your projects and done your research in a number of different settings. I've noted tents, islands, zero gravity plane, a conference and a glacier. The glacier, for example, was in Argentina, Patagonia, which is the largest ice field apart from Antarctica. And um, yeah, I was uh, investigating the ice, living ice, and especially also cryonite holes on the glacier, below the glacier, inside the glacier, where we were in, in, inside an uh, ice cave. And um, yeah, that's... Uh, was really <laughs> I brought my microscope also to investigate these ice crystals, but because these glacier ice crystals, when you are below the glacier, they are so old and so large. <laughs> There's no way you can look at them in a microscope. Yeah, too big. <laughs> the size of your hand. <laughs> no, but I was investigating the cryonite holes, and these are uh, d dirt on the white glacier surface is uh, darker than the white ice around, so it attracts more sunlight, it gets more warm, and then it gets melted slowly into the ice. And uh, it is like, uh, talking about falling and the laboratory of fall, uh, applied falling, it's also like a fall in slow motion. Actually, when you see it from the side, what we did inside a, a ice cave, it's like a fall, which takes place over hundreds, several hundreds of years. It's really beautiful. So you have this small island slowly melting into, into the ice. And there's also some theory that uh, the genesis of, of life can happen inside there because we have a little bit dirt, some water and so on. Agnes talked about what it was like to produce her weightlessness project with the German Aerospace Agency. Getting... The funding together for, for this project is also uh, always a big challenge. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, for example, the experiment in weightlessness I did with the German Aerospace Agency. On one side, there was a German Aerospace Agency, who, which invited me to realize an experiment on board the airplane. So I was there as it was a scientific flight. Uh, there were, it was full with uh, scientific experiments from different areas. And I realized the only artistic experiment on board. And one part was, of course, to get on board the airplane, which was great, and supported by the German Aerospace Agency. The other part was to um, build and to, to realize the experiment which was also very expensive due to a lot of security rules. I mean, I couldn't just make something with hot glue or so, because everything had to fulfill so many security rules. It was incredible. Every little thing you wanted to build was very difficult. That was really a big challenge uh, to get security demands, finances, artistic uh, demands under one umbrella. 
Agnes did get funded to create her aerospace project and also to launch a 2008 experiment involving moon geese. The moon geese are a very special migration bird. And they were um, firstly mentioned in a book by an English bishop, Francis Goodwin, and um, in written uh, in 1598. And uh, within this book, the main character is traveling uh, to the moon with the help of moon geese. So moon geese are migration birds who travel annually, not like other migration birds, from Spain to Africa. Moon geese uh, migrate annually from the Earth to the Moon. And um, I stumbled along this book when I was preparing my project on weightlessness because Francis Goodwin was the first who described the phenomena of weightlessness in this book. That's really interesting because it was before Newton defined gravity. Um, I was uh, wondering what happened to the Moon geese in the 21st century. Do they still exist? Do, do they still migrate to the moon or, or have they been stranded like many other migration birds? Did they ever fly and, and do they still fly? So I um, started with the first experiment uh, with moon geese, which took place in 2008 during the total solar eclipse in uh, Novosibirsk, uh, Siberia. And there I... Um, um, Reenacted the flight setup of Francis Goodwin with moon geese um, on a small island in the river Op near Novosibirsk. And um, of course, finding moon geese in, in Siberia wasn't easy at all, it's a story of its own. But anyway, we, we were able to realize the experiment during the total, uh, uh, during the total eclipse. And it was really interesting, but of course it arose a lot of questions. So uh, since then I'm, I'm busy, or <laughs> the moongies are in my head, and uh, I had to continue uh, my, my observation of moongies. And I started in 2011 to breed, uh, to grow up and to breed my own moongies. And um, I started this on a farm in Italy called Pulinaria. So we, we got uh, the eggs, we named the eggs directly with uh, astronaut names or other space-related uh, names and uh, bred them in, in an artificial breeding machine. 30 days later, 11 moongies hatched and we started already three days after the hatching with our astronaut training. Uh, which took place over the whole year. <laughs> there are several several methods, uh, training methods, such as the mobile moon, mobile moon training or with the V, because flying in V formation is very important, so, so the birds save energy um, for traveling long distances, and so on. There's uh, several, several uh, astronaut methods we were training, and um, since the end of last year, the next training step is the analog training. Um, I don't know if I should explain the, an analog training in general. 
Analog training is or analogs are places uh, on earth or in space which contain uh, uh, similar characteristics. So um, there are places, places or situations here on earth where astronauts train uh, and, and where they can get confronted with these uh, conditions they will uh, meet when they travel to space. And what we have um, for the Moongies is like a moon analog we built. It's like a lunar landscape and habitat and also containing several experiments. And Moongies uh, are living there since uh, last year, November. And there's also a control room which is in a, within a gallery space. So we had it in, in fact in Liverpool or in Newcastle. It's like a really, like a real big control room, like the one you know, maybe from the Apollo travels or Apollo missions. And there, these uh, two places, they are connected there. You can also communicate with the Moongies. They have special communication devices. They send Morse codes about their general well-being and so on. Agnes conducted research for the Institute of Applied Falling before she created the installation I visited at the airport. Since Tempelhof closed to commercial traffic in 2008, it's been the site of festivals, performances, art fairs, and exhibitions. But Agnes is the first artist ever allowed into the control tower. Within my artistic work, as, as I already mentioned, the, I have already developed several control rooms like for moon geese, for humans, and so so on. For, for me, the uh, control room is more a method. And I was very interested in looking for in Berlin to to uh, realize my work inside a real <laughs> control tower. So I was very lucky that it was possible there. It, it's not easy because there are also some security uh, rules again and the weather radar and, and, and so on. But I'm happy that it was possible to finally install my, my control room there. In an actual control yeah, tower. Yes. I know the installation was quite impressive. A console, the chairs, the array of monitors and radar equipment and a simulated experiment with an immediate replay <laughs> very ambitious and i went up the spiral stairs that lead to the control room mm -hmm. <laughs> yes i don't know how you did it yeah we had to uh, we had to bring small pieces up and put them together <laughs> on, on site the installation displays current results from your laboratory of applied falling which is mm -hmm. one that I found quite interesting that cites Apollo 15, an experiment done on the moon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, in 1971. Scott uh, did an experiment on the moon where he dropped a hammer and a feather to prove uh, Galileo's thesis. Uh, that uh, all objects, uh, they have the same speed velocity in an uh, air-empty uh, room. So he, he thought the moon would be a good place to uh, prove Galileo, and he brought a hammer and a, and a feather. And I really love this experiment. It's For me, it's more like a 
space theater. And, um, but I took the hammer and a feather and um, I took it as a method to um, develop my own um, gravitational measurement tool. So I, I, I uh, use a hammer and a feather and uh, f the fall to measure uh, gravity situations and status. And also I, I already went to several places and uh, let ha hammer and feather fall to observe the place where I was. I went to several uh, analog places where astronauts were training and everywhere I let uh, hammer and feather fall. And now I built a, a, a fall tower, let's say, which is on display at the control tower, um, where the hammer and the feather uh, fall <laughs> automatically. Endless, it's an endless falling uh, routine uh, to observe uh, the gravity situation on, on site. And because the fall takes place so speedily, you cannot see it. We also have developed a special uh, slow motion uh, apparatus or instant slow motion camera, <laughs> like you said, uh, that uh, that we can observe the fall and its uh, specialities uh, in detail during this slow motion. So what are your initial findings from the endless experiment? I mean, the, uh, so far I can say that we, we have... We don't have gravity is not everywhere the same. It it varies, and I'm uh, yeah I'm investigating these gravitational anomalies. So sometimes the the feather is uh, falling more speedy than the hammer, and I think there are a lot of things still to discover, <laughs> which are not so clear. You show video footage in the monitors of amateur rocket. Mm -hmm. launches and also professional video documents of scientists who are exploring the birth of planets, correct? Yeah, planet formation. Planet and formation. Yes, yes. I'm wondering how the scientists respond to your work in general. In general, I have made very good uh, experiences uh, for Actually, for all my projects, I have a lot of um, contact and exchange to scientists. And, um, of course, it's in the end, it's always a human question. But, in general, I have made really good um, experiences. And, and I was also working on this laboratory for extraterrestrial physics at the University in Braunschweig. And um, because they also have a drop tower there, and they supported the this show also with their footage. And yeah, they no for them it's really interesting, and they also they all plan to come to visit the show this weekend. So they come by bus, a whole department of extraterrestrial physicians. <laughs> The way that Agnes took over the control tower for her installation was brilliant. The control room is also flexible, so it is a really, it's an installation, it's a poetic archive, it's a, 
it's a very flexible um, meta installation, let's say, which can also, I can also connect other experiments. And at now at the control tower here in Berlin, we have connected the falling, fall experiments, but it is, uh, can be expanded and it can grow and develop. So it's a, for me, it's a very flexible, um, always changing sculpture and method. What other hidden worlds are calling you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's difficult because I cannot say they're still hidden. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still hidden, I will see. Well, in my left hand, I have a, a feather. In my right hand, a hammer. And I guess one of the reasons uh, we got here today was because of a gentleman named Galileo a long time ago who made a rather significant discovery about falling objects in gravity fields. And we thought that uh, where would be a better place to confirm his uh, findings than on the moon. And uh, so we thought we'd try it here for you. Uh, the feather happens to be appropriately a falcon feather for our falcon. And I'll uh, drop the two of them here and hopefully they'll hit the ground at the same time. How about that? I'm Kathy Bird, and you've been listening to Agnes Meyer Brandis on Fresh Talk. Fresh Art International podcasts are distributed by Public Radio Exchange at prx.org. We have a page on Facebook, and I tweet at freshartintl. Find out more about us on freshartinternational.com. <laughs>